Just gonna run this dog to see if we can find any type of uh, human remains that are left. Listen to Where Secrets Go to Die, The Disappearance of Derek Hennigan. From the Detroit Free Press, a new podcast set in the woods of Michigan's Upper Peninsula. Available on Apple, Spotify, Freep.com, or wherever you get your podcasts. Welcome back to From the Press Box, the Holland Sentinel Sports Staff's weekly podcast where we talk anything and everything sports. I am sports editor Dan Diadana, and we are rejoined by assistant sports editor Bo Troutman. Hola. A little less fun than the Hamilton Volleyball seniors. Uh, I'm pretty disappointed. But, uh, you know, he's getting paid to do this, so uh, we had to bring him back. So, <laughs> contractual <laughs> obligations. Uh so we'll get, right. some, we'll get some fun people in there for you sometime soon again. But uh, anyway, uh, this is uh, Bo's Banner Week as a Ohio State fan. Did you hear I had, I had to like pause because I threw up in my mouth for a second ah, when I yeah. said that? Doesn't the air just smell like a little bit more victorious? <laughs> <laughs> so we're going to talk a lot about the Michigan-Ohio State game and also Michigan State's game and the future of both Harbaugh and D'Antonio as Michigan and Michigan State coaches. Um, after you know the regular seasons and how they finished, and uh, we'll talk about the Hope men's and women's basketball teams and uh, break down a couple other things, including uh, the chances for former Tiger Lou Whitaker to get in the Hall of Fame. Uh, his vote that vote is on Sunday, um, but yeah, lots of stuff. So a little more regionally, nationally kind of stuff this week. Uh, not in that week between the. Um, you know, football's over, high school football's over, and especially for us, it was over. Uh, and high school basketball about to start tonight. Girls start tonight, and the boys start next week. So um, before we get into this uh, heavy-duty college football talk, um, let's let's talk about the, the Hope men and women. Um, Bo, I mean, the Hope, the Hope women are on a pretty good roll. They keep winning pretty big. Uh, what have you seen from them lately? Well, uh, if you've been reading articles in the paper, uh, I just and did you a, should be. Yes, I just did a story on forward Courtney Barnes, who's uh, second leading scorer, nine point eight points per game, and uh, she's been providing an impact, which has been really huge too, because you know they lost uh, Francesca Buchanan from last year, who was a big post presence, and uh, it looks like Barnes is really filling that role. And just talking to Coach Brian Morehouse, uh, you can tell he's just really excited for her and uh, her addition to the team. Uh, she was on the team. She's been on the team for a little bit, but this is like the first year that she's really kind of been a, a main contributor. So uh, that's been exciting for them. Uh, they're undefeated. Uh, they just came off a big win over Grace Christian. Um, there was really no match for Hope, and uh, you know they've held every single opponent to under fifty points this year. Um, you know they haven't exactly played you know crazy competition, but still, I don't care who you are. Uh, you know you're doing that consistency. Um, that's a big thing for them. So. Uh, they've looked really good. I'm really curious to see how they look in a MIAA play um, just going forward here as we approach Christmas. But uh, I think there's a lot to be excited about. They're really solid. Um, and one thing that I really noticed every single game that I cover is how good they are defensively. They're very active. Um, they dive after loose balls. I mean, they're very frenetic, especially uh, backup guard, uh, Kate Cita Smith. Um, she's been, you know, 
all over it on defense, and that's like kind of, she kind of sets the tone when she comes off the bench. The whole team just in the on-ball defense just is upgraded immediately. So um, it's been pretty fun to watch, you know. So kind of curious to see just how uh, if they can keep that pace up going forward. Yeah, their defense has always been their staple. I mean, they they get after it defensively. That's how they most of their offense comes from transition from steals and uh, defensive stops, and uh, they always have one player that. You know, by the end of the year, you'll start uh, keeping tabs as far as an over/under with the uh, hope stat people. How many times they hit the floor, uh, which yeah. is kind of fun. <laughs> um, it's uh, we'll call it the honorary Stacy Warson Award because she was the first one that we really started keeping track of there yeah. from their national championship team. Um, but uh, yeah, and they, they just don't have many, if any, weak spots. I mean, they got. Lots of people coming off the bench um, and great defense, like you said. They're, they're one thing in the past you know, few years has, that has kept them from being a Final Four team every year is when they play somebody as good as them, they need to be able to have somebody take over the game. Mm-hmm. And they have a lot of players that play great, but it just hasn't happened yet. But, I mean... Francesca Buchanan has proved to be able to do that at times, but now she's gone. Um, Kennedy Schoonville has proved to do that. It just mm-hmm. hasn't uh, been every time, you know, when they when they made the Final Four uh, or when they've had deep postseason runs. That that's a key. She's a key force like that. Lauren Newman is very capable of mm-hmm. doing that. Olivia Vasco is very capable of doing yeah. that, uh, especially defensively. Um, so there there needs to be an offensive somebody. When the when their backs are against the wall, somebody needs to be able to give them a little boost offensively and kind of take over a game, which, like I said, there's several people capable of doing that, and we'll see if this year that you know that comes into play because if they do, they will be very tough to stop. So very exciting things going on for the Hope women. Yeah, and I think I think Sydney Bowler could be that player too. She's absolutely, absolutely, yeah. especially she's. Uh, She's kind of like a bowling ball or a wrecking ball. She just comes yeah. down the lane, yeah. you know, goes right through. And I love it. I love that about her. They need somebody like that. Um, but yeah, she definitely can do that too. If she can do that, in you know, doesn't even have to you know necessarily score a ton of baskets. But if she can do that and get to the free throw line a ton, that will, yeah. that can change the game too. So um, then it opens up kickouts to three. So you put her wrecking ball in with some three point shooting, and there you go. Yeah. So um, big. Uh, pretty good start for the Hope men as well. They started 3-0 and before going to the Grand Rapids Sports Hall of Fame Classic this weekend. And they lost the first game to Cornerstone. Very close game that they led a good chunk of that game. Uh, then bounced back to uh, crush Aquinas, uh, surprisingly. I mean, they had seven threes in about a four-minute stretch. And <laughs> just, yeah. it's tough to lose when you do that, I'll say. Uh, but, you know, there's a lot of encouraging things. I mean, Preston Granger, their center, uh, is... Uh, very talented and has the ability to take over a game. He had a very off game in the Friday game against Cornerstone. Uh, bounced back and against Aquinas, he had 18 points in the first half, uh, which set the tone for those threes in the second half because they had to focus so much on him that they started shooting. Uh, Riley Lewis hit a, uh, a bunch of those threes, and but it wasn't just him either. Uh, Evan Thomas off the bench hit a couple. Jay Coner, who is like their guy who is most likely to be on the floor, um, uh, he hit two threes <laughs> during that yeah. stretch, and it's like I don't think I've ever seen him shoot a three. Yeah. And then he hit two like in like in the sa- in a minute, you know. And it was just like, all right. Um, he, uh, I joked with him earlier this year that he 
uh, I asked him if his yearbook you know, had a picture of him that said most likely to take a charge because that's kind of his thing. He takes a lot of charges. Um, but, you know, if he's going to give a, a few offensive sparks too, that's going to be huge for them uh, moving forward too. So, um, you know, three, uh, four and one, you know, to start the year, is, which is very good for them. Um, you know, obviously they like to be five and zero. Oh. Um, but uh, I think they learned a lot of lessons and were able to implement that the next day. I think it was very good for them to get back the next day and play and kind of right the ship. Uh, they will not be home for a month now. They've got uh, a couple road games in Wisconsin, and then they're part of that annual tournament in Orlando. So uh, they will not they will not be home till after Christmas. And uh, so this was good for them to get some momentum heading into that too. So um, looking good for the Hope basketball teams. Um, I honestly I wasn't really sure what to expect out of the men because they lost so much of their scoring power from last year, and it's they're they're putting some things together. I'm I've been very pleasantly surprised with uh, the new starting pieces that they have. They got some good freshmen off the bench. Clayton Dykhouse and Evan Thomas have been playing great. Um, and their post play has been really good. Ryan Gam has been huge for them um, to complement Granger down low, um, and Sam Vree has given them some good minutes too. So it's it's going to be interesting to see once we get into MIAA play because the last few years, uh, you know, traditionally we've had years where it's been like Hope Calvin and everyone else. You know, they always meet. It happens in volleyball; they meet in the final. It happened. It's happened in soccer lately. Although soccer is starting to change a little bit. Um, of course, they had the men were in the final against each other this year. But uh, you 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 have that kind of sense for a while in in most of the sports. Well, now the the last four or five years, the men's basketball has been anybody's game. Everybody's been equal. We had teams win the league that had like five losses, <laughs> right? Uh, because it's like the old you know it's like Big Ten. Everybody just beats up on each other and. You know, somebody comes out of it standing. Um, so we'll see what happens. It'll be really interesting uh, to see how that goes this year. So, um, yeah, so now we got a lot a lot of college, interesting college football things yeah. to talk about, um, starting with the Michigan-Ohio State game. Um, you know, it looked – I'll try to give the little objective version before Bo goes into his, uh, you know, permagrin over there. But – you know, it was it was very obvious throughout that this was a little bit different of a Michigan-Ohio State game in the fact that, I mean, we had one of these a couple years ago, but, like, you could tell going in and through, you know, the first half of play, both teams were two of the better teams in the country and both had a shot at winning this game. Now, there's been a lot of those games lately where – you know, I'd say maybe maybe only like three of the last eight has Michigan even seemed like they could have a chance in this game. Um, so that was good to see to start that it was a, a good game. I mean, as much as maybe sometimes you love a you know good drubbing, it's it's much more fun when it's you're beating a worthy adversary, um, and that's what makes this rivalry so great. Is there's very few years where one of these teams is bad. Now we've seen some couple lean years from Ohio State, you know, back in the you know, early mid nineties and then in the early two thousands and it's, it's rare. And then same thing with Michigan. We had a couple with the rich rod years and then, you know, lately it's still overall rare, but man, I mean, Ohio state proved to be the better team again. And, uh, Michigan did not help themselves. They had that big fumble, which was, you know, a whole, they were driving. They, if they scored there and 
Ohio State didn't get that score. That's a two-score flip. And then, to me, the key play of the game was when they had just – they could cut it within a uh, a one-score game. I think it was late in the first half. Maybe it was early in the second half where they had – they were offsides on that punt. Offsides, yeah. And so they forced – they had a huge defensive stop. They forced Ohio State to punt. It was fourth and four, and then they jumped offsides. Right before halftime. Right before, yeah, yeah, and they gave, uh, they gave Ohio State the first down. Yeah, and then they scored again right before half. Yep. Yeah, I think J.K. had a J.K. Dobbins had a big run. Yeah. 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 Oh yeah, like two plays later, they threw the big pass. Oh yeah, down to the two yard line, and then they ran it in, and it's just like that. To me, that was the game because you. It took the momentum so many different ways. Mm. Your defense is deflated because they played so well, and then that was it. And then they had to give up. A, then they gave up a score anyway, and it was just. Um, I'm not saying that Michigan would have won if all that stuff didn't happen because there was still an entire half to play. But you know, you can't make those mistakes if you're playing the number one team in the college football playoff rankings. And um, but but yeah, man, Ohio State looked impressive for sure, and I'm. I don't, you know, I, I I grew up a Michigan fan. I'm not as hardcore as I used to be. Um, you know, being a sports editor gets you indifferent pretty fast mm-hmm. <laughs> because you've got to cover cover these teams. But just objectively, I I'm really intrigued to see what an LSU Ohio State game would be. Oh yeah, and that um, I haven't had that in a while outside of teams outside of Alabama and Clemson we haven't had that in a while where we're just wait as a as a football audience we're just waiting for that game and uh that doesn't mean it's going to happen there's still some football to be played but it's just really interesting and now we've got Ohio State against Wisconsin again man we thought it could be uh well they Ohio State was going to be in there anyway no whether they lost to Michigan or not but uh minnesota man they were so great and then they lost to wisconsin this week and uh it's just back i I feel like just a broken record oh ohio state versus wisconsin and this you know part of that is the problem of the big 10 divisions because wisconsin's in it almost every time because except for that one year iowa was off the charts that side of the big 10 bracket is not good nebraska has not been traditional nebraska minnesota hasn't been good at all until this year um, I was kind of hoping that they would be in there. Purdue's been down. Indiana's down. Northwestern and Illinois are down. Although, didn't Northwestern beat Illinois after Illinois beat all these teams this year? I believe year? so, yeah. Oh, my gosh. What yeah. a weird way to finish. Yeah. Um, but, like, that's not the same gauntlet as Michigan State outside of this year. Obviously, they're not having a good year this. But the last think the last five to ten years, Michigan State, Ohio State, Penn State, and Michigan – that's in, that's insane, yeah. you know. I mean, like, of course, Rutgers and Maryland are in there too, but like, that's still four divisional contenders every year, no matter what. And that's, you know, that's that's still an issue with the Big Ten. But I mean, both through your somewhat objective eyes, I mean, what was it? I mean, obviously Michigan made some mistakes, but what did what was Ohio State able to do so well against Michigan, who again, for the most part, except for a couple of plays, did not look bad. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's not going to sound very analytical, but uh, we're just better. I mean, Ohio State just—I mean, it was, it was as simple as they just have better talent, uh, better players. 
I mean, you know, Shea Patterson's no Justin Fields, um, Charbonnet, or um, the other guy they have, uh, they're no J.K. Dobbins. It's like at every position, we beat Michigan. It was just, you know, yeah, Michigan played well in the first half. They were moving the ball, and Shea Patterson was, you know, completing some throws. But when the thing that Ohio State does, especially in the Urban Meyer era, they weren't schematically the greatest team, like with Urban Meyer. But they just wore you down. They just used that power run option with the quarterback and the running back. Yeah, that line. Yeah, the line really to me. Oh yeah. That, I mean, that was. Yeah, it just dominates. It's yeah. like it was like you know the year that Ohio State won the national championship, twenty fourteen. I mean, it was unguardable. You have Ezekiel Elliott pounding behind a really good offensive line, and then you know when you cheat up in the box, there's Cardale Jones who just went crazy and chucking it down to Devin Smith. I mean. That's kind of the the state of their team every year. It's a different version of okay, how good are they this year? How much can they wear down teams this year? So, and there's a reporter in the press conference with Jim Harbaugh, and it was totally unprofessional. And you know they shouldn't invite him back. But he he asked Harbaugh a question like, you know, what what is the gap between you know you and Ohio State? You know, is there a coaching gap, a players gap? Basically, I mean, how do you ask that question to the coach of the losing team? Yeah, how come you guys aren't as good as them? Yeah, is basically what they're asking. And I thought it was kind of an unfair question, but well, there's a better way to ask it. Yeah, too. it's I mean, like yeah, the way he asked it was pretty, you know, kind of TMZ ish. Uh, you know, and Harbaugh said like, you know, I want to answer an insult and got kind of mad, but um, but yeah, there there was a kernel of truth there. Is that yeah, it's like Ohio State is just better. They're just attra- attracting better talent. They're just you know, putting it to, putting it together year in and year out, and it's as simple as that. You know, it's like you know I've been a committed football fan since 2006. Um, you know, Ohio State football is my first team I fell in love with, and uh, I don't know what's in the water at his house, guys. Yeah, by the way. <laughs> but uh, so you just watching. You know, all these years, the only time I've seen us lose to Michigan was 2011, and. You know, I was talking to my Michigan friends this weekend. You can't really even count that year because Jim Tressel, all that stuff happened. And so, you know, it, it's just hard to say. I mean, it, it's truly remarkable. I mean, it's eighth, the eighth straight win over Michigan for Ohio State. Back-to-back years going over 50 points. I think this, the simple answer for not just this game, but just the last however many games, it, it's just been Ohio State's just been the better program. Right, and it's what's what's interesting to me, too, is looking at it nationally, if it would be very, a very different situation, this shows you too also how good the Big Ten really is. Mm-hmm. I mean, there's all tons of talk about how great the SEC is every year and stuff, and they are. But if Michigan, let's if Michigan or Ohio State supplant them into a different conference that's not the SEC, either the Pac-12, ACC, Big East, whatever, they'll. It's different. Mm-hmm. Mich- like Michigan being a step behind Ohio State, that's like saying. You know, anybody in the SEC was a step behind Alabama mm. or in the ACC was a step behind Clemson lately. I mean, it's that that's where you're at. Yeah, that's just a team that is dominating right now. And if nationally, it wouldn't look the same if, if Michigan was were saying the Pac-10 or Pac-12 because they would be good enough to get the Pac-12 championship game almost every year. But they're not in the Pac-12. And that's. You know, obviously that comes with the territory. It's not. I'm not saying that anything should be changed with the conferences because it shouldn't. And I hated when it was before. Don't get me started on yeah. why Texas A&M's in the SEC instead of the Big Twelve. But whatever. Um, so yeah. uh, that's a, that's a that's a yeah. podcast for another day. Yeah. But that 
so and, and Michigan also has their expectations set based on the history over a hundred years of being a great program, and they have been. Of course, so is Ohio State. Um, so it's just it's just interesting because of the expectations. So let's get into. That. I mean, like, so a lot of people after last year were kind of calling for Harbaugh's head. Um, when they could not win a rivalry game this year, they looked okay. I mean, they for the they looked decent against Ohio State. Made a couple of bad mistakes that which were costly, but Ohio State was clearly the better team. It's it's hard to come after a coach when they lose to the superior team, for, in my eyes. But also, they beat Michigan State and Notre Dame. They beat two of their three rivals. Mm-hmm. That hasn't happened in a long time. Right. And I think that was a huge step for them. I know Michigan State's down, but it's still, they thumped Michigan State. So mm-hmm. that, and Notre Dame was ranked, what, seven or six? Yeah. And then they smoked them. Yeah. Like it was a huge statement game in the pouring rain. Yeah. I was in the stands for that one. <laughs> I'm still feeling wet. Um, but like that was dominating. Mm-hmm. Like that was, uh, that was like the first game I've been at been a f- like sitting in the stands for like 10 years oh really yeah, oh, yeah. At, at a michigan game it was really strange yeah and it was the one game with the weather i'm like man i wish i was in a press box yeah um so but like they've been so good you know they're just like one step short of being a national title contender and for a lot of schools that would be great but for michigan that's not enough especially after several years of being one step away why aren't we why aren't they making this step is really what fans are saying and it's really hard to make that step. That last step is the hardest one to make because you're dealing. There's always going to be some programs in all the power conferences that are there or almost there. Also, you know, I mean, think about. I mean, Michigan State law or Michigan lost to Penn State. They played fantastic in the second half against Penn State and nearly pulled off a comeback win against them. Now they got thumped against Wisconsin, which is still, yeah, you know, kind of mind-boggling. Not that they lost, but how they lost, but. So my question to you, Bo, as a quasi-objective reporter in this instance, what what do you where do you what do you think of Harbaugh right now? Where is where is he as far as a hot seat is involved, and how do you think he's done the last couple of years and, and this year especially? I would say it's, it's like it's kind of sad in hindsight, like that we're even talking about hot seat because. You know, when he came in, I remember being worried. You know, I was like, oh, man, <laughs> you know, Michigan's going to get good again. I remember, you know, all and the they hype. Are good. But, yeah, and, and they are good. I they mean, are, it, but. A top 15 team in the country. Oh, it's yeah. Just, it's just not as sexy yeah. as, you know, a top 10 team or a right, top 5 right. team. It's just all that history. They're kind of set up to fail because, you know, I think they had that slogan for a while. And I don't know if they still use, like, this is Michigan. Yeah. Yeah. It's like, yeah, you, you have all that history. You're always going to be trying to live up to that. And you know, and you know, Ohio State went through this in the '90s with uh, uh, Coach John Cooper, where you know, they never beat Michigan. You know, yeah. Michigan was beating the crap and out they were, of them. This was ex- this is exactly the same yeah. thing. Yeah, this is it's the same were, thing. I mean, Ohio State was clearly the second best team in the Big Ten. Yeah, and they lost five of seven, or you know, wasn't Cooper like one and nine or was two awful. and nine yeah. and to one? The point where tie he there. was quoted as saying, "Oh, it's just another game," you know, because he couldn't beat them. He couldn't do it. Right. So I think that, you know, 
the thing is, Harbaugh inherited the Brady Hoke Michigan football team. I mean, if you know anything about Brady Hoke, I mean, as an Ohio State fan, I loved Brady Hoke. <laughs> there are a lot of Michigans, Michigan fans who do not love Brady Hoke. And uh, he inherited that. Okay, so you have to fix that. But by three years in, that's usually when, you know, you kind of have your first recruiting class or, you know, upperclassmen or they're getting toward that. And you're starting to kind of build your own program. So the fact that, you know, we're in year five and this is kind of the way it's going. I think it's tough because you look at Harbaugh as a college coach. Okay, at Stanford, he has a prodigy Andrew Luck yeah. quarterback. Okay, he's not you know he was at a, a small some small schools before that, but he didn't really have you know a long tenure. You know, he, it wasn't like you know Pete Carroll at USC. No, forever. he was a better pro coach. Yeah, and and then he moves up to San Francisco 49ers, You know, really quickly, and they're really good. You know, he makes you know he turns them into a machine. But college and pro are different. Absolutely. So he leaves uh, San Francisco, and it's like, okay, so now you have this weird transfer to Michigan where it's a get back to the college game. He doesn't have Andrew Luck. You know, he's a Brady Hoke coached bunch of players. It's like, so he's kind of, he was set up to fail from the beginning because he was, all those articles, you look back, he's like the savior. He's, you know, I remember uh, he got quoted like, you know, Harbaugh, you're going to do it. He was talking to like a you know one of his fellow coaches. Like, yeah, you know, let's go beat let's go beat up on Ohio State. And it was all excited. It was a great time for Michigan. It was you know, and now we're just nothing changed. They're just like they got a little better, but they're still they're losing their rivals. They're you know they're losing their bowl games. It's just well, and this year too. Yeah. Let's say let's say their only let, I mean let's say their only loss was to Ohio State. We'd be, it'd yeah. be much different. Yeah, it'd be a much different conversation because you're talking about. You're only lost to the number one team in the college football playoff rankings. Right. It's, it's I mean, that's not a bad season. And I still don't think this was a bad season. They're, no. They yeah. lost to the two teams in the Big Ten championship game. And Penn State, that, you know, was a top ten team when they lost to them. Uh, so mm-hmm. it's they're not that bad, the losses. Mm-hmm. But it's just it's just the year after year. There's not... We haven't had that year with that step. I mean, you, every year you think, and you're like, oh, my gosh, here we go. We've got peppers. <laughs> yeah. This is going to be different. And the yeah. defense was different. But, you know, you come up six, whatever, four inches short on that fourth down against Ohio mm-hmm. State. And then, you know, you know, they haven't played necessarily the greatest in bowls either. You know, and it's just there's a lot of things that are different, you know, mm-hmm. that, that, but they're the same. If they're yeah. the same and they're the, and they're different at the same time, and it's just it's just really interesting. With like, I don't think I personally don't think he should be on the hot seat mm-hmm. because first of all, they beat two of their rivals this year, which is a big step. I know that you know at Michigan they expect more, but to me, it's got to be if he's plateauing at being almost as good as Ohio State. Mm-hmm. That I that to me that's not fireable, right? You know because Michigan fans know too with the whole Rich Rod thing and the Brady Hoke thing. The last thing they want to do is go through another coaching overhaul and then another couple of years of transition and then another. They rushed, they jumped the gun on that with Rich Rod mm-hmm. and then Hoke, and it just I mean I I think. I think Rich Rod was also set up to fail from the beginning, not because there's anything wrong with him, but he had the complete wrong schematic style for Michigan. Which I think, 
Now, I, I actually read a book by John Bacon, uh, the reporter, yeah. just all the Michigan stuff, uh, Three It Out. You know, that's what it was called, uh, the story of Rich Rod in Michigan. I am totally, I, I think Rich Rod was fine. I think that was all a Michigan thing. That was so awful how all those good old boys, in my opinion, were like, oh, you run the 335 defense and oh, you run the spread. I thought that was horrible how they like were always against him. Oh, yeah, and they always, hung him out to yeah. dry, really. It was I mean, awful. Like, yeah. That. And the, and the way they handled that all in general, where they, mm-hmm. you know, if they just held their horses for two weeks, they would have had yeah. less miles from yeah. LSU. Yeah. And like, it's just, oh, God. Yeah. I like, forgot about so that. Many, yeah. There's just so many factors Ugh. there that are just so bad. Yeah. Um, that it just, it's just, you know, but, but that's what I mean. Like, he, he had the wrong s- scheme for Michigan because of what Michigan expected. Right. But they knew what they were getting, so I don't understand how no, they kind of hung him out to dry like that. Yeah, it's um, terrible. Yeah. And then Brady Hoke is not a bad coach, but he's a much better assistant coach. Uh-huh. That's, that happens to a lot of people. That's not, and that's not necessarily, uh, that's not a cut down. That, that's just no. how we, Lions fans know Rod Marinelli. That some people are really good assistants, but not good head coaches. Jim Schwartz, mm-hmm. Rod Marinelli, Dick Geron. Yeah. Anyone who's coached the Lions until Jim Caldwell. Right. <laughs> uh, no, and I, you know, I think that, I don't, I mean, Brady Hoke, I think, was just not that caliber of coach for that kind of program. No. I think he tried. I think he really he was, was a trying. Michigan guy, and they wanted yeah. a quick fix with a Michigan guy. Yeah, and I think that Dave Brandon did way more damage than Brady Hoke did. That was a Dave Brandon hire. Uh, that, you know, Dave Brandon did a lot of bad things for the Michigan football program. So I don't necessarily blame Brady Hoke. It just was what it was. You know, yeah, as an Ohio State fan, I was kind of laughing at it. But honestly, it, you know, I wouldn't blame Brady Hoke for that. I would blame Dave Brandon. But no, it's just... This season in particular, yeah, the, it could have went off the rails. I mean, you remember that Army game <laughs> where yeah. you know, I thought they were going to lose. Now, uh, but, Army was so much better this year than they've been oh, in yeah. years, yeah. and they still were good the rest of the year. So right. that plays in a little bit. But again, but still yeah. a team they should be taking care of. But So at that point, I remember thinking, like, man, they're going to lose to everybody. But then they rebounded in that great win against Notre Dame. So, yeah, you can't. I don't think Jim Harbaugh's in the, the hot seat. I would say Don Brown is. I think you got to move on from him. Um, whether it's explicitly his fault or not, I think you just got to shake it up and try something new just because it's clearly not. Whatever they're doing isn't working. Yeah, I think one of the other things that's uh, a little nugget that could be a really huge factor is the way the assistant coaches have lined up. I mean, when you think about it now, one of the staples from – the 97 Michigan championship team defense. And then he left and then he came back was Greg Madison. And Greg Madison is now so weird (laughs) on the Ohio state (laughs) sideline. And I just wonder how much he knows is going to (laughs) happen. You know? And I always thought that that hire that his decision to go to Ohio state, I honestly think he, not maybe not part of it. I mean, you know, relocating your life to a whole different areas, a big change. But I think that at least part of that decision was out of spite. I think he was kind of made the scapegoat, kind of like Don Brown is now. Absolutely, the same thing. It's like he went through the same exact thing, and they they kind of you know made him the scapegoat. And I think out of spite, he took the Ohio State. Why job. not? And he's a, he's a very good assistant coach. Oh, he yeah. has been for a long time. He's been a lot. I actually. When, in his first stint at Michigan, he's got a daughter that's my age, and we went to school together growing up. And oh, wow. they had just come from Texas A&M, where they had a dominant defense. 
in the early 90s, Texas A&M was one of the best defensive teams in the country. And then went to Michigan. He went ended up at Notre Dame, back at Michigan, now Ohio State. Yeah. It's just interesting. Like little things like that, you wonder how much, you know, if if they could have hand, Michigan could have handled that better and kept him, what would have happened? Um, because obviously, Don Brown's not doing any better. No. You know, so like what's, what is it really? Especially because, and their defense. I mean, when Madison was there, whether whatever capacity he was in, their defense had like the best defensive season they've had since the 97 championship team when they had right. Peppers and all those guys and yeah. uh, Jordan Lewis and all those guys. So why would you lose that? Like, right. It's not his fault that those guys graduated. You know what right. I mean? Like, yeah. it's this is that's the difference between college coaching too, which is why I think all college coaches, unless they do something really stupid or show a pattern of ineptitude, need to be given a couple of breaks along the way mm-hmm. because it's not like the pros. You can't go out and get like, yeah, you're recruiting, but you don't know. It's like a scouting in baseball. Some guys don't make it that look surefire, mm-hmm. you know. Um, we've all seen Moneyball. Bill, Billy Bean looked like a surefire or whatever. Yeah. And, you know, now with Moneyball statistics, what they say, he, he, they would draft him in the ninth round instead of the first round and yeah, uh, or whatever, something like that. So that happens in college a lot. And you have to put everybody who comes from different schemes together into this. Like, if you're an NFL player, a lot of the schemes are similar. Mm. So, I mean, yeah, there's differences that you got to learn and everything like that, but you got the basic knowledge. When you come from high school to Michigan, you don't have the basic knowledge. I mean, to any power school, you know, you, yeah. it's something that has to be learned. So, it's just really interesting, uh, this whole situation, because again, I think the deciding factor is you don't want to have to go through this again. Um, but like, they're just so close, but still so far away. Mm-hmm. Um, and the thing to me that's the most vexing is not the assistance, is not anything having to do with Ohio State. If Jim Harbaugh, now we're in year five, so we can start talking about this a little bit more openly. If Jim Harbaugh, as we know he was, one of the best college football quarterbacks the Big Ten's ever seen, he's an All-American, led him to the Rose Bowl, beat Ohio State, guaranteed the win, you know, all this kind of stuff. Then he went to the pros, and he was a good pro. You know, he was good with good with the Bears, then was great for a while with the Colts, um, led them to the playoffs, you know. And then he's been a good coach where he's been. And obviously, I know we talked about how luck had a lot to do with that, literally luck. Yeah. <laughs> um, but, like, he was good with the 49ers. Like, he's a good coach. It's not that he's not a good coach. He's a good coach. Mm-hmm. But if he, if he is one of the best quarterbacks Michigan's ever had and had one of the best pro coaches and quarterback coaches, whatever, how come he can't recruit a dominant quarterback prospect? Yeah. That's the big thing. I yeah. don't understand that. If you're a quarterback, wouldn't you want to go play for him instead of Urban Meyer mm-hmm. or post Urban Meyer? Yeah, right. But like, you know what I'm saying? Like, wouldn't you want to, to go play for him instead of D'Antonio? Mm-hmm. Wouldn't you want to go play for him instead of Penn State's coach? Although I would think that anybody would want to go play for Penn State's coach. Mm-hmm. He seems awesome. Oh yeah. Um, so. But wouldn't you want to go play for an established All-American quarterback with this tradition then go pay, play for P.J. Fleck at Minnesota, although Minnesota's an upstart? But he's not the, it's not the same pedigree. Mm. You want to learn from the best. He was great. He was a great quarterback. Why can't he get a surefire quarterback recruit? 
I don't yeah. understand. That's one thing I don't understand. Yeah. And one thing too, um, I think part of that whole Michigan mentality, you know, running the pro style offense and all that, I think that's holding them back. You know, I think that. That offense is just kind of outdated for the college game. I mean, they also don't have a good enough line or a good enough running back to do that. To do that, yeah. But yeah, you just look at Ohio State, what they do with Justin Fields and the versatility. It's like Michigan will almost never have that because they're not, they're not recruiting at Justin Fields as much. They're going after a McCaffrey who, you know, let's face it. I mean, if McCaffrey was truly the guy. There would have been you know, there would have been those tabloidy headlines, you know. Oh, is McCaffrey going to take yeah, over Patterson's play? job? Yeah, yeah. You know, there's never a hint of that. It's always Patterson's. Always, you, you know. You look at next year. I mean, McCaffrey and Joe Milton. I mean, ugh, you know. I don't know. It's like, yeah. I don't. See, I mean, I see it being McCaffrey, and I don't see him being awful, but I don't see him being any better than Patterson. No. Yeah. And also having a little bit more of a learning curve, but. That I still I just don't get it. I just don't get how that keeps happening. It's I been mean, five years now too. That's and, what, yeah. and Michigan's tradition of quarterbacks. You got to remember yeah. too. Let's start with Harbaugh in the mid to late eighties. Then you had like a couple years where they had like a two quarterback system that worked a little bit, you know. But then they had uh, Elvis Gerbach, who was great. They went they went to the Rose Bowl and won, and then he ended up playing in the NFL for. Quite a few years. Their next quarterback, Todd Collins, same thing. Ended up playing for quite a few years in the NFL. And then you had, let me see if I can do this correctly in a row. You had Scott Dreisbach, who was okay as a Michigan. I mean, he was pretty good. Led him to a big win, last second win over Virginia. He was in the NFL for a while. I think he was a Raiders backup for a little Dreisbach, while. Scott Dreisbach. 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 That would have been like in the mid-90s, though. Oh, yeah. Um, and then you had... Drew Henson, mm-hmm. who was, you know, okay. I mean, he was he was touted as the prospect. I played baseball yeah. against him. He hit one about 100 feet over my head. Oh, really? And I was the outfielder. Yeah. <laughs> so that's not good. <laughs> um, but he ended up playing for the Yankees um, and in the NFL and whatever. He, I feel like he hurt himself by not focusing on one or the other. Yeah. Um, but he was a good quarterback. I mean, they only lost. But he and that. But Todd, Tom Brady took his spot. Because all Tom Brady does is win. Mm-hmm. I think that song was about him. Yeah. All he does is win, 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 no matter what. Um, talk about that from a seventh round draft pick, yeah. right? I mean, come on. So then he, so these guys are all NFL quarterbacks. Then you got Brady, NFL legend. Mm-hmm. Then the next guy, Brian Greasy, he was in the pros for a while and led Michigan to a national championship. You, there was a there was a year where there were seven Michigan quarterbacks in the NFL at the same time. Wow. Yeah. So and then you have then you have you know there's a couple other years then you got Henny so they've had these great quarterbacks over the years why can't Harbaugh get one if he was one of them right I don't understand I don't understand if Tom Brady's your coach you're gonna have a good quarterback I don't understand yeah and it's been all the coaches after yeah it kind of died with Henny because. I mean, Tate Forcier, yikes. Uh, now, Denard Robinson was great. He was a but he was a running different back. kind. <laughs> yeah. Right. And Gardner was in between. Yeah. They were good. They were good. Oh, they, I mean, they were. Yeah. If, if they had Gardner now, they'd be great. Yeah. <laughs> you know? Oh, yeah. Um, he was solid. He yeah. was. He was good. That, that number 98 looked awful on him. Uh, yeah. 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 Well, you know. Yeah. <laughs> um, but, but Denard Robinson was great. Yeah. He was great. They, had to, they changed everything they did for him, and it worked. Yeah. And they beat Ohio State. Yeah. <laughs> it all worked. Yeah. And then 
they didn't know how to go back to a regular quarterback, yeah. and they didn't know what to do with Gardner because he could throw better, way better than Robinson, but he couldn't run quite as good as Robinson, but he could run better than any other quarterback. Mm-hmm. So they kind of mixed it up and didn't know what to do then. Then they had Mallet, who yeah. ended up transferring. He's in the NFL. Like That guy had just, some weird issues. Yeah. yeah. Now, yeah. He, now he had cement feet. Uh-huh. And he, you couldn't go from Robinson and Garner to cement feet. It yeah. doesn't work. But, like, of all the history with them and quarterbacks, I just – even before – not too many years before Harbaugh was Rick Leach. He was an All-American, led them to the Rose Bowl win, and he played in the major leagues for seven years, played baseball. Yeah. Why now are we in the biggest drought of quarterbacks when one of the best ever is the coach? Whoo! I got a little more animated there than I thought yeah. I was going to. So – I still don't think he's going anywhere or should go anywhere, but that, those are some interesting questions that need to be answered. Why can't they, you know, f- they've been almost great for most of his Harbaugh's years now, mm-hmm. but they've never, been, they had one year where they were great and they came up, you know, whatever, six inches short against Ohio State on fourth down. Mm-hmm. But besides that, even when they beat Ohio State, they weren't great mm-hmm. as far as. Michigan standards. Michigan standards for great is making the college football playoff now. Right. It used to be making the Rose Bowl, but now it's not the same thing. So they're not there yet. They're a perennial top 15 team, Mm. which, again, most schools would be like, yes. But that's not at Michigan. Even the perennial top 10 team doesn't cut it because you could be nine every year. So that, that step, it needs to be made. It's not coming next year. No. So they need to they need to recruit a really good quarterback and be ready in two years. Yeah. I think that is when you can start putting him on the hot seat. If they can't, if they have a two three more years like this, you know, yeah. then that's where you are. But again, if the second you do that, you are going through this whole mess again. You're not instantly going to have a great quarterback if you have a new coach. Right. So um, one one thing about the quarterbacks too, Terrell Pryor, who by the way was stabbed and was in critical condition this weekend. Uh, his, I think, girlfriend was charged with attempted murder. Uh, and he's in stable condition now. Thankfully. But Michigan lost out on him. Can you imagine what he would have looked like in Rich Rod's offense? I mean, that was... Oh, yeah, that was then. That oh, was yeah. 4CA. Yeah, that was... I mean, imagine if they had him. And listen, I mean, he's, he's my favorite football player of all time just because I was a kid. I was just in Ohio State football. He won and he, the Heisman. And he was... Yeah, and he... Or no, no, he didn't win the Heisman. Prior didn't. But, right? No, I thought he did. No, no? I didn't. No. Who am I thinking I, He was, yeah, I think he was like fifth one year. Right, yeah. I'm have to look this Troy, up. Uh, we're Troy Smith? About. Troy Smith. Yeah, that's what I was thinking him, of. Yeah. You're right. You're right. I yeah. thought Pryor was better, yeah. to be honest. But Well, no, the thing about Pryor is, now, I love him. You know, he, as a kid, I loved it. You know, he was like this big, touted prospect. But to be honest, he was in Jim Trestle's offense. He was limited. All, all those numbers he had were okay. But had he been in like, you know, the other schools that were recruiting him were Michigan, Oregon, and Penn State. Can you imagine what he would have been like in Oregon or Michigan's or Michigan offense? At that point. Yeah. Yeah, Can you imagine the, the stats? The yeah. yeah. So I mean, you know, yeah, I'm happy we got him, but to be honest, from an objective standpoint, it's like, wow, what could he? What if the, that guy could have done in a, a right. spread option or the offense Ohio State runs now? I mean, what right. could, what could he have done? And it's right. like, so yeah, it just it's just it's interesting. Lost I think, out. I think yeah. that the pressure will start to mount. I don't think this should be it. They didn't get steamrolled by Ohio State. They beat two rivals. They lost to two top ten teams, basically. You know, um, maybe Wisconsin was. They were like eleven and thirteen when that happened. So top eleven teams, whatever. You know, so you know, 
they lost to all the teams on paper they were supposed to lose to and beat Notre Dame, who they were supposed to lose to. So I, yeah, that's, that's always hard for me. You know, we talked about that with the polls. How somebody drop 10 spots if they lose to a team they're supposed to lose to? Right. It's the same thing with coaches. How do you, you know, if they're, the other team's supposed to beat you and they beat you, if that's what's, you know, I don't know. So yeah. we'll see. It'll be interesting to see, though, because, you know, that'll be the rallying cry around Harbaugh this year. Next year now will be, oh, can they finally beat Ohio State? Probably not. But yeah. you never know. You never know. I thought they had a much. I mean, I thought it was. I thought they had a shot this year. I honestly thought the best thing that happened to Michigan last week was that Ohio State got ranked number one in the college football playoff. Because yeah. a lot of times when something like that happens, whoever it is gets too cocky, and whoever is facing them gets too inspired, and right. that's when one of the one a great upset happens. Um, but it, you know they had you had to play a little better to do that. So yeah. and just real quick note too. I mean, of course, all this talk about Harbaugh. I mean, just look at Ohio State and Ryan Day. I mean, you know, I like Urban Meyer and I respect what he did for our program. You know, it's like I totally understand he's a great coach. But to be honest, it just got stale with Urban. You know, it just we're always close with teams that we should be you know killing. Like you know, uh, like Maryland last year, I think it was like, right. Wasn't there like an Indiana game a couple years ago like that? Yeah, and, and like last year, uh, you know, Maryland it was like fifty six to fifty one. We beat them or something. A lot of stuff like that. And and I read this piece one time by this guy um, who really broke down their offense and said just how stubborn Urban Meyer was and his play calling and everything that he did. So now that he's gone and we've seen what Ryan Day has done with the program, I mean, I mean, we're just blowing everybody out. It's, it's just no contest every week. Like you know, because. You're almost spoiled as a fan of these big programs where it's like, oh, they should be winning by 50. Now, you know, no, a win's a win sometimes. But to be honest, that kind of is the expectation. You know, do I think we should be Indiana by 40? Yeah, yeah, I do. And we weren't doing that with Urban Meyer. We were close with these weird games. And um, in just one year, I think that Ryan Day, you know, I I made the joke to somebody that like, Urban Meyer, you could just like see the scandal on his face. Oh, <laughs> brewing, right. I you know? mean, right. Like, yeah. Well, Ryan Day just seems like a nice guy. Yeah, genuine. I actually thought yeah. that was like the best choice for Ohio State. Just completely different. Oh, yeah. You had the like the the stoic, taciturn Trestle. Yeah. And then now you've and then you've we've evolved to Urban Meyer, who is like the anti and also similar Harbaugh. Yeah. And then this is now they got a coach like Penn State. Yeah. Yeah. And that's different. It's a different kind of motivating for the guys. So it'll be interesting to see what happens, but yeah, yeah, it's you can see the scandal. <laughs> yeah, it's, well, no, there was, there didn't was they lose uh, one. To, didn't they lose like a big one to like Purdue? Yeah, I, yeah it, like, uh, Ohio State got killed by Purdue last year. Yeah, yeah, exactly. It was stuff like that, and like uh, actually, Purdue did not end up being that great. No, no, they were they were just. It's not I, like that's that like sparked a huge season yeah. from them or something. And it was like a prime time game too. It was like a prime time Saturday night, and. uh yeah, it was just there was a lot of things, you know. I mean, if anyone has watched Ohio State's games, I mean, all the you know pounding JT Barrett up the middle and stuff, all that. It's like now that that's gone, it's like such a relief because we don't do that with Justin Fields. The offense right. is diverse, and um, but no, I was actually I was in Columbus for Thanksgiving, and I, I was reading an article that uh, he had Urban Meyer opened a pint house, like a tap house in uh, Columbus, and I was th- I was going to send uh, send him some menu options like a. Uh, 
going back to Florida or, or leaving Florida Gator Bites or, right. you know, yeah, cause, I don't know. There's just so many bad things that happened. You know, the the whole Zach Smith, uh, you know, his right. wife thing that happened. And right. I'm just glad he's gone. But yeah, just just looking across, you know, comparing Harbaugh to Ryan Day, it's like there's I think they're Harbaugh's kind of bleak where Ryan Day, it's like, you know, he's built kind of this excitement. And I think that that's something that Michigan needs is that. Right. That I don't think it's excitement. bleak, but I think like you said about Urban Meyer, it was a different level of it, but yeah. it's stale. It was. I don't yeah. know if ble- we're not, I don't think we're to bleak yet. Not it's bleak, definitely yeah. stale. I mean, it's yeah. it's definitely seeming like every year is the same. Right. And that's that's not good. Yeah. Um, if you're not it, looking forward to expectations, right, then that's when it becomes not good. Yeah. Absolutely. You, yeah. So it's it's going to be interesting. So speaking of coaches on the hot seat, we got to talk about D'Antonio now. So yeah. Michigan State, I never would have thought he would have been on the hot seat ever. And here we are. They barely beat Maryland 19-16 in the finale of the season to barely, by that those three points, be eligible for a bowl. How the mighty have fallen, man. They just yeah. have been awful this year. And, again, I don't think one bad year should be something that you say, oh, yeah, D'Antonio, you're out. But the ex- the complete excitement is gone. They don't have – and this is one of the differences. Now, Michigan State people are going to get on me about this. But they don't have the same fire and expectations and following when they're bad. Hmm. Michigan games always sell out, even when they had the lean years. And there was – they said there was like 18,000 people – in this finale at the game. Yikes. Now, 18,000 people is, when you think about it one way, is a lot of people. But when the same day your rival has 115,000 people watching their game. Yeah. And even so, this is a game for them to be bowl eligible. This was an important game. It shows that the fan base, a good chunk of the fan base, is fed up. And it only took them one year to get fed up, which is interesting, which is good. That part part of it is good for Michigan State. But, you know, if you lose D'Antonio now, if they if he's on the hot seat and they decide to make a change for some reason, you're dealing with the same thing that Michigan will have dealt with all these coaching changes. They're bad now. There will They will not be better next year if you switch coaches. They could be better next year with the same coach because you're, you know – Unless you get some sort of hot shot quarterback recruit or something like that. But to me, what puts D'Antonio a little more at risk is the fact that the defense stunk this year. Mm. No matter what, their offense has always struggled to score points, but their defense has always been good. And it just wasn't there. I mean, like, I mean, what, what do you think, Bo? I think that there, I think Michigan State is always going to be a program that. Will never. They'll have great years. I think they'll have great seasons. You know, like like with Connor Cook and you know Kirk Cousins, and you know they'll have like those great years. But they'll never have that consistent. You know, we're always going to be a playoff contender. I. It's kind of tough because you know Michigan. You know all the Michigan fans like to say, "Oh, their little brother or whatever." You know, and there is kind of some truth to that. They are right. se- they are kind of second fiddle to Michigan. I mean, you know, and I'm not saying that as like a dig at them. It's just kind of like how it is. It's the vibe. I mean, yeah, it was, it's just, I mean, it took Mike Hart saying that to have Michigan State have a run of great seasons. Right. They have. They had what eight? They've had eight really good seasons in a yeah. row. 
before that, when's the last time they had eight really good seasons in a row? It was like the 60s. Right. Yeah. When they won a national championship. Yeah. It hasn't been like that. They'll have two, three good years in a row. Then they'll have two lousy years. And it comes and it goes. Yeah. And, you know, geez, I just wonder where they would have been if they still had Nick Saban as the coach, too. Oh, you know, that always yeah. sticks in their craw. Um, Michigan State fans hate Saban. <laughs> yeah. Worse than the rest of the country. Yeah. Um, but, like, it is true. I don't know. You know, like, I think it's it's just hard. I was exp- – like, first of all, they have been great. So I would personally, I don't think I would be alarmed by this season, but everyone clearly is. Yeah. The Michigan State fans clearly are. No one shows up to their home game. Senior day, 18,000 people, senior day. Last time they had 18,000 people was like 1976. Yeah. Like, I made that up. I don't know that for a fact if yeah. it was, you know, 1976. Yeah. But, yeah. but like, that to me, if the fan base is alarmed, the, the rise – for alarm in the program is higher because they clearly showed that. And I think that puts D'Antoni on much more of a hot seat than Harbaugh right now because Harbaugh, Michigan's still putting the butts in the seats Hmm. and no one's giving up. People are frustrated, but it seems like all it took was one bad year and Michigan State fans are kind of giving up on D'Antonio and the future of the program. And that's so many different kinds of alarming. Yeah. I mean, team, no one's going to be great every year, you no. know. Yeah, um, that's like what I'm saying. It's like they they'll just never be that team that's like a perennial powerhouse. But you don't, th- yeah. So lately, like, they've been great, but yeah. you don't think historically of them the same way you no. think of Penn State, right? I mean, obviously not Michigan or Ohio State, or but even like Wisconsin or Nebraska. Now, Nebraska's been awful the last few years. Yeah, but you still think of them as always being a power. Oklahoma had some of those years too. They had. Some awful years, but there they are. Texas has had some bad years, but you still think of them that way. USC, yeah, same thing. But it's yeah, Texas is strange. I don't yeah, know what's going. I have on no out idea. There. Yeah, so it's just interesting because, like I said, I don't think I would put D'Antonio on the hot seat. No, in what he's accomplished and how this has only been one alarming year, but that's me on his performance. But seeing how the fan base. And, you know, everyone's reacting to it. That changes my thinking a little bit if I'm Michigan State brass. Mm-hmm. Uh, again, not saying that he will be or should be gone. Mm-hmm. But there's definitely something that needs to be done. He's not the same kind of coach. I think he's the anti-Harbaugh because he doesn't say a lot. He doesn't, you know, he doesn't put himself in the spotlight. He specifically does everything different. And I think Michigan State fans love that about mm-hmm. him. But now is the time where you've got to be that personality to bring your fans back. So he's got to show that he can be more outgoing and more rallying of the troops. And the troops, I mean the fans. He needs to be – there needs to be better reach out with the fans if he wants to stay. Because otherwise, they're, they've already written him off. Mm. So yeah, it's just going to be interesting. I mean I never – I thought – it's so funny. Like a couple years ago, I just thought, okay – all right, we got Harbaugh and Antonio, and we got Izzo, and now we got Beeline. After a couple of years of Beeline being there and them being great, you know, and going mm-hmm. to the Final Four in basketball, I was like, we're going to have these four coaches for like a whole decade. No. no. <laughs> Beeline's yeah. gone. We got Juwan Howard, which is great. Yeah. Um, 
And they're obviously doing well too. Yeah, uh, they, they had a big beat North big Carolina. Week. Now they went from unranked to four. Yeah, and they play number one Louisville tonight as of this taping. So That'll be it'll, interesting too. It'll be yeah. really interesting. And then Michigan State and Duke following up. So mm-hmm. we'll we'll talk more about that next week. Um, but I never thought that Michigan and Michigan State's coaches could be kind of on the hot seat at the same time. Yeah, <laughs> like it's, it's that's, super weird. It yeah. seems so weird to me. Um, yes, yeah, Spartans. I would say yeah, if you have like a guy in mind, you know, if there's a clear cut like. Hey, this guy's a free agent coach and he's expressed interest, or, you know, then I would say maybe kick the tires a little bit. But if you don't have, you know, it's Mark D'Antonio. I mean, right. you know, so I mean, yeah, unless there's some clear cut all star coaching candidate, you know, I would say, you know, it pumped the brakes a little bit. They had an right. off year. It's nothing new. I mean, yeah, because of their recent success, it's kind of new. But you look back in the mid two thousands and the late two thousands, you know they just were kind of like that with Brian Hoyer, and you know they were never really like fantastic. They were just okay, right? And you know it wasn't until Connor Cook and Kirk Cousins that they were really started to, you know, really kind of dominate a little bit in some right. areas, so. right? And you know it took a steady quarterback. Neither, I mean, some Cousins and Cook were great at times, but they weren't great always, right? But their defense was great always. Yeah, they don't have that. And you can't have that. Now they'd have it both. They don't have either one. You gotta, you gotta be able to to do that. So, but yeah, it's just interesting. Getting back to your comments about the big, the big or little brother thing and the big mm-hmm. brother thing. Um, to me, the difference is now. I've been to many Michigan and Michigan State games, football, basketball, you name it, hockey, even. <laughs> um, and to me, the difference is the way that the fans care about everything. Michigan State fans supremely care about basketball mm. and football. And when they have a good team here, they have a good volleyball team, they they mention it, you know, whatever. But when you, you know, at a football game, when they honor the, you know, volleyball team that makes the NCAAs, there's a polite clap. Mm. Michigan game, at the end, between the first and second quarter, if they honor the, Big Ten champion gymnastics team. It's a standing O. Mm. If they honor the Big Ten champion robotics team, it's a standing O from 115,000 people. Michigan fans and alumni and students expect to be the best at everything. And that expectation is not there at Michigan State. And I'm not saying it's unfair both ways. It's unfair for Michigan to have that expectation of everything, right? And it's and it gives them the pompous flair at times. Exactly. That's you know? part of the rivalry, yeah. right? But Ohio State has exactly the same thing mm-hmm. as Michigan because they are good at a lot of things too, and they mm-hmm. carry this. So that's why that's a perfect rivalry. Yeah, they're bo- they're both arrogant. Yeah, we <laughs> in try the same way. No, I will say as an Ohio State fan, us trying to trademark the, I hated that. Yeah, that's, <laughs> that was yeah. awful. Right, yeah. too arrogant. So. Um, <laughs> It's yeah. Terrible. So, um, so that, but that to me, that's the difference. If Michigan, the, a polite clap versus a standing thunderous standing O, there's a reason that at the beginning of the, uh, at the beginning of the Michigan games, they have that video narrated by James Earl Jones, who went to Michigan. Uh, how Darth Vader went to Michigan? I mean, like, come on, like, yeah. do you have to get any further than that, really? Yeah. But like, they, you know, he gets in there. In the booth, and they show him, and then he goes, this is Michigan. Right. And it, everybody goes nuts. And then they show the history. They show Bo Schembechler. They show Tom Brady. But they show other things, too. They show the Michigan people who are astronauts. They show 
President Ford. They show Derek Jeter, who went to Michigan for a little bit. They show, you know, everything. It's it's not limited to football in this promo get psyched video. You got a president of the United States. You got astronauts. You got famous scientists. You've got famous athletes from all all over the spectrum as far as sports. You've got all this stuff. And and that's not how Michigan State feels about everything. That's how mm-hmm. Michigan State feels about basketball and mostly football. So, yeah. It's it's in agriculture. Right. <laughs> yeah. It's never going to be as long as Michigan, if Michigan State can't ever get as psyched for other things and expect, I mean, when Rich Rod was there at Michigan, and Michigan's football team stunk for Michigan standards, mm-hmm. you know, the years they almost didn't make a bowl, you know, and stuff like that. The 115,000 people cheered louder for the band. Now, Michigan marching band, that's same with Ohio State. That's, that's, a, that's a staple. Yeah. They expect their band to be the best band in the land. So does Ohio State. So does USC. You know, it's that kind of a thing. There's not that many. There's even fewer elite bands when you think of the the whole country historically. There's, uh, you know, you think of maybe 20 elite football programs. and You probably think of 10 to 12 elite, mm-hmm. you know, where you even notice the band. Michigan has that. Now, Michigan State has a great band. Mm-hmm. Their music is just as good. But they don't treat them the same way, right? And they, but but that us also Michigan fans, they purposefully cheered louder for the band than the team when the team stunk. Yeah, I remember that. I forgot. That's that, yeah. awesome. Yeah, that's a statement. Yeah, showing only eighteen thousand people up for a senior day is also a statement, and it's mm-hmm. a different kind of statement. So as much as I never really liked the little brother wording of it, it's not about football. It's about the whole, the whole aura of how the they look at things. Yeah. And that's, that's the difference. And I think that that is – I don't – again, I don't like the wording little brother, but I don't know of a better way to say it mm-hmm. as far as that. Now, but that's not football. It's not that's, – that's for everything. And that's the complete difference between the, the universities themselves. And, yeah, it's just interesting. And And – it doesn't help that Michigan State's got the whole Nassar thing mm. and other things. Now, that's not the football team's fault or anything like that. But at the same time, that's clearly something that happened at Michigan State and did not happen at Michigan. Mm. And again, there's so many – you can't defend that. There's so many layers of it, as we've seen, people getting fired and everything over that. The just the auras of the – like, I know of people that will specifically – Talk their kids and w- make sure their kids don't go to Michigan State because it's where the Nassar thing happened. Just like sometimes I was surprised that they had a full group of incoming freshmen the year after the Sandusky thing happened at Penn State. Yeah. So, I mean, now it's different. We're a little bit enough removed. They've established some new traditions. No Joe Paterno, you know, and all this kind of stuff at Penn State that it's – I'm seeing, you know, like that. But, like, I, I don't know how any freshman went there the next year. Mm-hmm. Why would you want to be associated with that one whatsoever, you know? So it's really – it's just really interesting. Uh, but they're both on the hot seat kind of. And yeah. that's really just so strange to me um, that they are at the same time. But I i mean I would say that if D'Antonio does return, he can't have another year like this or he's gone. Yeah. Harbaugh could have another year like this and still be around mm-hmm. one more year. 
But if he has a year like D'Antonio had, then he's he really could be a gone or could be on the hot seat. Um, it's just interesting how this whole collegiate coaching works because, like I said, you can't – some years you don't have the recruits. People, your best players graduate and you expect to be the same as when the seniors were elite and then they graduate and you expect it, – it's – the entire sport of college football is a sea of unfair expectations across the board for everybody, for coaches, for athletes, for programs, for NCAA rules and violations. Yeah. There's just – it's just something that can never be like that. So, right. man, that was some great college football talk. Yeah. Too much. I wonder if anyone is still listening as we talk <laughs> about our last thing, which will be brief. Um the uh, Hall of Fame's era committee votes on Sunday uh, for the modern era committee, which Lou Whitaker from the Tigers is a finalist, all-star second baseman. Um, he is on the ballot um, along with guys like Don Mattingly, Dave Parker, Dale Murphy, Dwight Evans, Thurman Munson, Ted Simmons, labor union, uh, former labor union head Marvin Miller, uh, and a couple others. So um, it'll be interesting to see what happens. I would say that um, judging by the fact that the last time this particular panel met with similar people on the panel, Alan Trammell and Jack Morris, two Tigers, made it. <laughs> and Lou Whitaker has similar, if not better, numbers than Trammell, and they were both middle infielders at the same time. So, And if you like your analytics, as I know Bo loves his baseball analytics, um, Absolutely. Lou Whitaker has a better war than anyone, than Trammell or Morris, but he also has a better war, wins above replacement, for those of you who are still listening that don't know what uh, that analytic is. Um, it's a way of calculating the share of wins you directly contributed to. It's very confusing, but it's a good way of measuring value, not necessarily greatness. But he has a higher war than anybody that's did, uh, that's not in the Hall of Fame that did not play in the 1800s. And you can't really – 1800s war. You don't know. It's a little different. So he's basically got the best analytics of any modern player not in the Hall of Fame on top of the fact that his traditional stats are better than Trammell who just made it. So I don't know how you defend that. <laughs> I don't know how they defended. He didn't even make it back on the ballot a second year. He only got like 26 votes his first time on the writer's ballot. I don't understand that at all. Yeah. Um, people weren't looking. But thank goodness for these analytics because they're helping players who deserve it get a little second look. I don't think you could take war or any of those analytical numbers specifically on their own. But you supplement that with big numbers, and I think that that's, that's huge. So hopefully Lou Whitaker gets in. If I had my vote, I'd vote for Whitaker and the uh, uh, pioneering labor union head Marvin Miller who changed baseball, did, wouldn't have free agency without him, wouldn't have had – any of the baseball labor stuff, um, it would still be the reserve clause and owners being able to do whatever they wanted and whatever. So those two I'd vote for. The committee gets up to four votes, so I would vote for those two. Ted Simmons, uh, old all-star catcher that has second most hits behind Pudge Rodriguez ever as a catcher. And wow. you think that would have put him in a while ago too? And yeah. then uh, I think Dale Murphy would be the fourth one, the two-time MVP from the 80s. Uh, five-time Gold Glove winner, um, most home runs and RBIs of the in the National League in the eighties. Uh, that you think that would get him in too? Um, but then he turned thirty and then just stunk. Yeah. <laughs> so um, I would vote for those four if I had four votes. Um, 
this time. But hopefully for Tiger fans, Whitaker will be uh, where he belongs, right next to Trammell and Morris in the Hall of Fame. Um, but we'll keep you posted on that next week, and we'll break down the vote, and we'll break down. We'll talk about Michigan, Michigan State basketball. We'll talk more about um, high school hoops. The girls will have a couple of girls games uh, that we can discuss before the boys' season starts next week. And, uh, yeah, we in the next couple weeks we'll get into some other winter sports as well. So, um, yeah, I hope, hope you enjoyed all of the Michigan-Ohio State and Michigan State and coaches' hot seat banter. Um, it was all due to come out at once here. Um, but, yeah, uh, enjoy your week of sports this week. Go out and see some girls' basketball. And uh, hope at Calvin Women uh, on Saturday. Uh, that'll be a big game as well. So uh, we'll break that down next week as well. So uh, enjoy your week, and we'll be back next week. Just going to run this dog to see if we can find any type of... uh human remains that are left. Listen to Where Secrets Go to Die, The Disappearance of Derek Hennigan. From the Detroit Free Press, a new podcast set in the woods of Michigan's Upper Peninsula. Available on Apple, Spotify, Freep.com, or wherever you get your podcasts.